Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Hello, friends and faithful listeners, and happy Monday. My name is Jen. I am the host of the Bible Explained podcast, and I'm excited you're here because I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite stories today out of Numbers chapter 11. I remember learning this story when I was in Sunday school so many years ago, and this story has always fascinated me. All of Numbers 11. So we're going to break this up into two days. I'll be talking about this today and also on Wednesday to finish up the story because it is a very long story, but a very fascinating story also. But before I do that, I want to give you an update on my internet. It's still terrible. <laughs> my poor husband is trying, uh, has been uh, trying to upload a game that he purchased last week, and it's like still uploading several days later. I feel quite bad for him. He is excited to play his game and cannot play it. And I also can't upload any episodes also. So I have to run over to my church and upload the episodes when I'm finished with them. So that's one of the, I suppose, downsides of living as far out into the country as I do. But I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, you know what? I'll take it. I am a country girl through and through and I enjoy living in the sticks. So if I have to live a quaint lifestyle, I'll live a quaint lifestyle <laughs> in order to just be away from the crowds of people. But OK, let's talk about Numbers 11. I'll be reading 1 through 23 today out of the W.E.B. version. But as I always say, please feel free to read out of the version you prefer to read out of. So grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and let's start. The people were complaining in the ears of Yahweh. When Yahweh heard it, his anger burned. And Yahweh's fire burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to Yahweh, and the fire abated. The name of that place was called Tabara, because Yahweh's fire burned among them. The mixed multitude that was among them lusted exceedingly, and the children of Israel also wept again, and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate in Egypt for nothing, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. There is nothing at all except this manna to look at. The manna was like coriander seed and it looks like bdellium. The people went around gathering it and ground it into mills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. Its taste was like the taste of fresh oil. When the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every man at the door of his tent, and Yahweh's anger burned greatly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to Yahweh, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Why haven't I found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I brought them out that you should tell me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where could I get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. If you treat me this way, please kill me right now. If I have found favor in your sight and don't let me see my wretchedness. 
Yahweh said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit which is on you and I will put it on them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you don't bear it to yourself alone. Say to the people, sanctify yourselves in preparation for tomorrow and you will eat meat for you have wept in the ears of Yahweh saying, who will give us meat to eat for it was all well with us in Egypt. Therefore, Yahweh will give you meat and you will eat. And you will not just eat one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and it's loathsome to you because you have rejected Yahweh who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? Moses said, the people among whom I am are 600,000 men on foot. And you've said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to be sufficient for them? Shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to be sufficient for them? Yahweh said to Moses, has Yahweh's hand grown short? Now you will see whether my word will happen to you or not. See how fun that passage of scripture is? Like, that's just a whole mess of drama. And uh, guess what? When I read this to research it for you guys, I was convicted. Mm -hmm. I was convicted because I did the exact same thing that the people are doing. And I did it last night. I didn't do it over food, but I did it over the house, the new house that I am currently living in. So what ended up happening was yesterday I didn't have a very good day. So I was struggling with all that internet stuff I was telling you about. I was getting very frustrated with that. And that was happening all day. Um, I ran over to my church to upload the episode. And uh, when I came home, the water up in my sink was like flowing, like trickling out of the faucet. And I'm like, oh, no, what's going on now? Is there well issues? Is there water issues? Like what's happening now? And then on top of that, I found a tick on me. (laughs) Oh, you guys know how much I hate bugs. Okay, I the tick was like on the top of my ear and it had it actually did bite me and I found it. And oh, my goodness, it was the grossest thing. I think I've ever endured. I once had a spider on me. I think I don't know if those two things are very comparable. But last night I found the tick on me. So I had this thought run through my head. My life was better at the old house. I did. I had that thought run through my head. I did the exact same thing that the Israelites did. So then this morning, I think God actually gave... So You know, sometimes I, I do this, this uh, podcast and I know that God speaks to me through it um, so much. Like sometimes the passage of scripture that I have to read for the day is like exactly something that I needed or something that I needed to work on. And just me seeing the correlation between this and what I had done last night between the two houses, I just realized like, holy cow, I just did this last night. I complained to God over a gift that he gave me because of a few discomforts. Now, the the funny thing is about all this is the fact that my my life was not better in the old house. There was so many problems with it. And I was doing this podcast at the whole old house. And if you guys remember some of those early episodes, I was complaining nonstop about the old house, (laughs) how hot the room was, how many bugs were in it, you know, this and that and everything else, how small the house was. I was always complaining about the house. 
So now all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm at a better house in a better location with beautiful trees surrounding me, the nature that I love. And because of a, a couple issues, I got angry and I was like, life's better at the old house. And my life was not actually better at the old house. But that's exactly what these people here were doing to God. <clears throat> they were saying, our lives were so much better in Egypt when we had all these delicious foods to eat, when we had these cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. We had all this delicious food and all this fish. And now we only have this manna. Ugh, manna. So the people were complaining to God that their lives were better in Egypt, but that was not the case at all. They were crying and complaining when they were in Egypt because they were slaves in Egypt and they were very ruthlessly treated. So they were not better off in Egypt and the people just totally forgot that. But before this even happens with the food, we see another story at the very beginning in the first three verses that the people started complaining in the ears of Yahweh. And we don't know what these complaints were. We don't know if it was over food or over discomfort or over whatever. We don't know what these complaints were that the people were saying to God. But God heard it in verse 1, and his anger burned is what it said. So Yahweh's fire burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. So God was very merciful he gave them a warning. He did not put his fire in the middle of camp. He did not. Uh, it doesn't actually say that he took any lives or did anything like that. We, we don't actually know. But we do know that God's fire, because remember, the pillar of fire happened at night. So some of that fire came down and burned around the outskirts of the camp. And we don't know if it burned up a couple tents. We don't know if it was just like on the outskirts of everything surrounding them. We don't know what happened. It does not say that God killed anybody. He might have, but it does not say that here. But this ended up happening. The people were complaining. The fire burned. And now, instead of the people going to God to be like, God, we're sorry. Uh, please turn the fire off. Instead, they go over to Moses. The people cry to Moses. So Moses prayed to Yahweh and the fire went away. So then they named that place Tabera. And the little footnote I have here, Tabera means burning because Yahweh's fire burned among them. So that's the first three verses that I read was just the people were complaining. They had a dissatisfied heart with everything that was going on in the camp. I would guess similar to how, you know, my, uh, with my problem last night when I was like, oh, my life was better in the the old house, I would guess it would be similar to that was just the people had a dissatisfied heart towards everything God was doing for them. So now here in verse four, it talks about the mixed multitude. Don't forget, it wasn't just Israelites here. There was a mixed multitude that went with Israel because it, uh, Egypt had many different kinds of slaves, many people living there. And so it wasn't just Israelites that left with the Israelites. It was a ton of different people, different nationalities of people that went with the Israelites because they knew the Israelites were blessed by God. Maybe they trusted in God as well. These people, 
they saw that God was greater than any of their Egyptian gods. And it's very likely that many of these people were Egyptian as well that went with uh, the Israelites. So it says that the mixed multitude that was among them lusted exceedingly is what it says. They lusted and they weren't lusting in the typical sense that you would think of lusting, which is like a, a sexual kind of lusting. This is talking about food. So they were lusting after the food. They wanted their old way of life. The mixed multitude wanted their old foods that they had back in Egypt. And they dragged the children of Israel into this also. So the children of Israel start hearing the mixed multitude complaining that they don't have the good food that they had back in Egypt. And the children of Israel go right along with them. And I mean, that right there is a, uh, a moral of a story is that we don't need to listen to other people complaining and agree with them. We do not have to do that. In fact, we should not do that. But the children of Israel did. So it says the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? And what a dumb question that is. Because when God had first given the people food, the manna, he actually also had provided quail for them as well. And it's very possible that at this point in time, because this is well over a year after they were out of Egypt, that some of their animals, even though they had left with lots and lots of animals, at this point in time, it was probably likely that many of those animals died. Many of them were already used for food. Uh, many of them had been sacrificed for the sacrifices and they didn't have a ton of animals left. So they're starting to crave more meat. They're craving all that fish that they used to have back in Egypt. And uh, they're asking now, who's going to give us meat to eat? We don't have any meat. But they're forgetting that God can provide everything. And it's kind of interesting because even Moses forgot that God can provide everything. And this just kind of reminds me of the story of the disciples and Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. We as a human race tend to forget how awesome God is and how he truly can provide all of our needs from literally nothing. Like God can create something from nothing. Obviously, we cannot do that. So we forget that God is so above us, so much more powerful than us and is able to do that. But the people here are forgetting that God can provide them with meat. And honestly, all they really had to do rather than complain is ask God. They could have been like, God, could you provide some of that quail again that you did a year ago for us? Could you provide that again? And honestly, I don't I don't know. Maybe God would have answered and been like, sure, and given them the quail because they were respectful towards God, but they were not being re respectful towards God. Instead, they start complaining. They say, we used to have fish back in Egypt. We used to have this. We used to have that. All these delicious foods, this, this cucumber and onions and garlic and whatever else. We had all these delicious foods, but now we have nothing. So they say, all, there's, all that there is is this manna to look at. And so they're, they're complaining over the provision that God is giving them. Then it goes into verses 7 through 9 after the people complain about the manna, about how delicious manna is. It says that its taste was like the taste of fresh oil. And I'll be honest, I've probably never have had fresh oil in my life. 
because I always have bought like the olive oil in the jar and I'm, I'm guessing it's not super fresh. So I don't actually know what super fresh oil tastes like, if I'm being honest. But I bet you it tastes pretty good because I like the taste of olive oil. I like the taste of, of food cooked in olive oil. I love that flavor. So I can imagine that fresh oil just tastes fantastic. And this manna, they also say that it, it tasted very sweet. So it was like the taste of this like crispy, delicious, uh, oily bread. You know, like uh, I, I described it when we first talked about manna as like baklava. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's like the, the dessert that has the crispy uh, layers and it's like sweet. I just imagine it kind of like that. I don't know if it was that sweet or not, but kind of like that flaky deliciousness that baklava has. And so that, that's kind of what I imagine it tasting like. So manna, not only was it flavorful and delicious, but it could be cooked in many different ways. Here's what it says. It could be uh, ground in mills, beaten mortars, boiled in pots, made of made cakes of it. So you could make uh, desserts out of it. You could make it into your meals. You could do whatever you wanted with it. It was versatile, but it was also extremely nutritious. So not only was it tasty, but it was nutritious. So God was providing his people with sustenance that they could get every single day and they wouldn't have to worry about any kind of nutritious uh, value being lost. So, I mean, what's not to like here? But they were complaining about it. They didn't, they didn't want it. So they're remembering their lives back in Egypt about how good their lives were when their lives were crap back in Egypt. Absolute garbage in Egypt, but they're only remembering the good stuff. There's actually a verse somewhere that talks about that, about how we're not supposed to look back at the good old days. And be like, oh, our lives back then were so much better back in the good old days. Because I don't know why we have a tendency to forget the negative stuff and long for what we used to have, even if it was worse than what we have now. I don't know why we do that, but we do. I mean, just uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not. Just look at the men out there that are in their 30s still wearing their like high school coats. Do you know what I'm talking about? I find that actually kind of sad and I see that quite often, but it's, it's, you know, it's their longing for those high school days again, their youth, their freedom, whatever else they had, but not looking at the future, what's in front of them. And the Bible warns that it's unhealthy to do that, to look back at the good old days and be dissatisfied with where we're at in life now, which is what the people were doing here. So God gets angry, obviously because these people were being so selfish and terrible. Moses was angry. Everybody was angry. So Moses complains to God. And God was so, so nice to Moses during this. Moses is basically like, what am I? Some sort of crazy mother that I have to take all these kids and bear their burdens, like these crying children. So Moses is just like, why did you place this horrible burden on me? Just kill me now. I would rather be dead and gone than have to deal with this, this crap. Like, just take me. I don't want this. And so Moses is like, if I have found favor in your sight, kill me right now. That is what he is asking of God. So God does not listen to Moses. He's like, yeah, I'm not killing you, but I'll give you some help. So he tells Moses to gather the 70 elders of Israel and 
God said, I'm going to put my spirit also on these men because then they can help you with this burden that you are carrying. So God answers Moses's prayer. But then afterward, he corrects Moses because here's what Moses does. Moses forgets God's goodness because Moses says, how am I going to feed all these people? This meat that they're begging for, that they're asking for, who's going to feed this to them? And God's like, uh, hello, I'm God. Has my hand grown short? That's what he says here. Has Yahweh's hand grown short? Now you will see whether my word will happen to you or not. And that's kind of how this story ends. But before, before Moses questions God as to whether God can do this miracle for the people or not, God actually says to Moses to tell the people to prepare themselves to eat meat. And I think this is really funny. God is really snarky here. He says, you're not going to just eat meat for one day or two days or five days, 10 days or 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you're sick of it. He says, you're going to eat so much meat that you're going to be so sick of meat. You're going to be sick of it is what he says. Then after that, Moses questions God. Like, God, how are you gonna do this? Like, who's gonna feed them all this meat that they're asking for? Who's gonna feed this to them? Like, can you actually do this? And then God reprimands Moses and is just like, have you forgotten who I am? Of course I can do this. And that's sort of how we're gonna end this today. So this is part one of this episode. So join in on Wednesday to see how this episode ends because it it does kind of have a twist ending. Uh, No spoilers here unless you go and uh, read it yourself, but (laughs) no spoilers. I'll leave that for Wednesday and we'll talk about the rest of this this chapter here. But thanks for tuning into this episode and uh, join in tomorrow for an episode out of Luke. But until then, I will just ask that you guys have a great rest of your day. Click the links in the bio to learn more about this podcast and about the ministry behind this podcast. But until tomorrow, happy listening and God bless. Thank you.